Houdini. This is Chatterbox Bearcats with Chuck and Houdini. Cincinnati has a pulse improving to 16 and 9, 5 and 7 in the Big 12. And can we ever make it easy, man? Can we ever make it easy? Up double digits in the second half, had shades of that West Virginia game. I was feeling very scared, but you know what I'm feeling like right now? You know what I'm feeling like right now, Houdini. And it's just slight. It's not big time, but if you listen closely, if you listen ever so closely. Can you hear it? March? Maybe? Cincinnati? Lenardi? First four out, first four in, next four in? Uh, what are you thinking, man? Uh, Bearcats, where do we stand after a win against UCF? You're the guy that has all the numbers, the Ken Palm metrics. Houdini the stat nerd. Give it to me, Houdini. Is um is this a big win for UC or is it just one that we needed? Well, it's it's a big win because it was a must win. We got we caught a break, man. That that Aziz hacked the shit out of him on that three. I mean, that is a fact. Uh, I feel like the refs have, have killed us in multiple games, but thank God uh, it, it finally averaged out a little bit. We we caught a break. Did I love Skillings getting the ball there when we must hit free throws? Not necessarily, but Seamoss uh, had a great foul, played the odds correctly, and we got the W, man. That's all you can ask for. We lose this game, we pack our bags, and Lenardi finally, finally beats us, right? But we got Lenardi on the fence right now. He's terrified. He's like, we got to put them, we'll be riding the bubble for the rest of the year, but at least we, we live to see another day, man. I don't know. We have a bunch of big games on the road. Cincinnati still has road matchups at TCU, at Oklahoma, and at Houston, and Cincinnati's winning on the road. They've already beaten BYU on the road. They played one of their best games of the season at Baylor on the road. Maybe their best game of the season against Texas Tech where the Cats won. And now they go to UCF and control pretty much from start to finish. This is a game that terrified me coming in. We've seen this over the years with Cincinnati where they have that early Saturday tip at a team that's not that great uh, where you're already coming off a few losses. You consider it a must win. Then I go and look at the action app. All the money was coming in on UCF, which I like. I love being on the house's side. And so we both hammered the Bearcats. Not only are we happy men, we are rich men. We're getting sirloin steaks tonight as the Cats win. But this is a game we typically lose. Uh, UCF didn't have C.J. Walker and Shamari Allen in the first game. They had them this time. You texted me and said, I have zero confidence the Cats are going to win this, but if they lose, I'll be furious. Let's talk about the new-look Bearcats, man. We've been clamoring for it from day one. Four guards in the starting lineup. We saw it. And Wes Miller never tinkered with it until the end when he put in Lockin with five seconds to go. That was an interesting move. Uh, I, I was sitting there going during the second half. I'm like, wait a minute, Lockin hasn't played a second. And, you know, we, we love Lockin, like we said, what he did for the program, but it was the right move at this point in time. In a must win scenario, he has been, you know, in la la land when he's on the basketball court. And we went small. We finally started our, our best player, which it's shocking. It took this long to do. Um, but, putting skillings in that lineup going small you could see the offense is just more fluid man i mean we offensively were we fantastic no we shot 27 percent from three nothing special but the you can just see the fluid the way the offense moves is just much more cohesive there's more ball movement there's more guys that can penetrate and shoot from the perimeter so i i loved what i saw we made it much harder than it needed to be tonight i mean we should have won this game by 10 points but um you know john rothstein 
get your nitroglycerin pills ready. That's basically just Bearcats. That's the story of, of the season. You're going to have a heart attack six or seven times during a game, but luckily we got we came out on the right side, man. Yes, we did. 76-74 in favor of the Cincinnati Bearcats. Cats win, Cats cover. Box score looked as such. 15 for Dan Skillings. He had eight rebounds, 15 and eight. What doesn't Dan Skillings do? Aziz Bandago, 13 points, eight rebounds, two blocks. I have a lot of words to say on Aziz Bandago in a bit. I mean, he is a roller coaster ride to watch offensively, but man, is he important for this team. Thank God for Dave Yost. It's something that we're going to get into in just a bit, especially with the way Lockin's playing. Can you imagine Lockin and Oguama had Dave Yost not come through? It would be a completely different story. Day-Day Thomas, nine points. He fouled out. Seamus Lukosius had 12 and two assists. Jizzle James had seven points in 14 minutes. Jamil Reynolds had six points in 14 minutes. C.J. Frederick, five points in 14 minutes. Hit a big-time three. It was awesome seeing C.J. knock one down. John Newman, six points and five rebounds. Josh Reed, three points, three rebounds. And Victor Locken, no points, no shots, no nothing. He played 5.7 seconds of the game, but he was on the floor for the victory formation. And let me tell you what, Wes Miller talked about it at the beginning of the game with Dan Horde about how he doesn't want to hear, he didn't say this directly, but this is kind of what I took away from it. Cats fans were kind of booing when Lockin was on the floor last time, and he said, we're not going to have any of that. I don't even know if he said that. But he basically said, this guy's important to the program. When Mike Saunders, when, and he didn't name any of these guys. I am, because this is what we do. We, we spit the facts. Mike Saunders and Gabe Madsen and Mason Madsen, those twins, and Zach Harvey and Tari Eason, they all went elsewhere. They said Cincinnati kind of stinks. We're not doing good right now. Guess who stuck around? Victor Lockin. He wanted to be a part of this. He wanted to be in the uh, first season of the Big 12. He's not playing good basketball right now, but we're going to stick with him because he stuck with us. And do you have any words for Vic? I just want to say right now, keep your head up. I know he's watching. Keep your head up, Vic. We all love you. We're all cheering for you. We yell because we care. We're an emotional fan base. You're our guy, Vic. And I love that he was on the bench today, not pouting, he, he was, you know, first one standing up, clapping all over the place, had the passion there. So, Vic Locken, this win is dedicated to you. Final 5.7 seconds. You were on the floor when it mattered. No, absolutely. And, and we love Vic, and I think it's a testament to how Wes runs his teams. His guys ride or die for him. You're not seeing guys sulking on the bench, especially in this day and age, man. People transfer if, you know, they don't like the, the shoes the coach is wearing. Right. Like it, anything that happens, they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to BYU next year. And he's it seems like he keeps everybody happy. And sometimes he sticks with his guys to a fault. But you're right. Victor Locken stuck around when we were in a tough spot and he's not playing good ball right now. He has the potential. I, I still I want Victor Locken on this roster next year. And I, he definitely has that that talent and that ability. I'm, I'm sick of. You don't want to boo a, a goddamn twenty-year-old, right? Like I get it when you're, you know, you're at Paul Brown Stadium and booing, you know, whatever, John Ross because he can't catch a damn football. He got he got paid ten million dollars, right? It, Victor Locken, he's a he's a kid, and right now he's not the answer for this roster. That could change. There's definitely a scenario in which we get deep into the Big Twelve tournament, which we will. We know this. And we get foul trouble, right? Uh, Reynolds, Aziz, all those guys. We need a Victor Locken to come in, and he can produce. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, I think 
Wes made the right move to to take him out of the lineup. I didn't think he'd go this drastic. It is wild. Like <laughs> two days ago, he was the starting guy. He was like your guy, and then he just doesn't play a second. Wild. I, I don't know if you listen to the podcast. Five point. You're right. He played five seconds, which is also ridiculous. Like, what if he got the ball there after not playing for 40 minutes and had to shoot the the free throws to seal the game? Like, you can't expect anybody to do that. So I thought that was bizarre in itself, but it worked out, man. It worked out. Well, they needed a big in there for obvious reasons, and out of Jamil Reynolds and Aziz Bandego, you're going to take Victor Lockin in that situation. So, Yost! Yost! Don't you take out Bandego, Yost! How about Dave Yost? Back in November, we talked about how Dave Yost was going to be the hero of the season. We were playing, there goes my hero, because he was. The Ohio Attorney General held the keys to getting Aziz Bandego and Jameel Reynolds eligible. And at the time, it was massive. And now when we look back on it, with Odio Guama not playing a minute and Victor Locken playing 5.7 seconds, what would this season look like had these two not been eligible? Let's talk about Aziz Bandego first. What are your thoughts overall on Bandego? Is he what you expected from Utah Valley? Not what you expected or, or, or somewhere right around it? Not what I expected because, granted, we, I was actually just talking about this. We watched him play one game, and he looked like he was Anthony Davis. Okay? So I was expecting, you know, when he came over, I'm like, this guy might be a lottery pick in the damn draft. He's that good. And Dan Horde kind of uh, said the same thing. He was like, that's an NBA talent. He's not there yet, but a lot of people, his offensive ability is very limited. But he changes the way every player, when they drive the lane, you saw a couple missed layups today just because he's there. And it changes the dynamic of the entire defense to have a rim protector like that. So I, lo- I love me some Aziz, man. He has his moments. He hit a couple big free throws, right? He hit some uh, very clutch free throws that we needed. So, yeah, I'm, I'm an Aziz guy, man. That counts as it stands as a quad one win. I know uh, I think Kirby just put in there that's a quad one win, bro. He is right. That's a quad one win. Massive for us. But going back to Yost and going back to Bandago, my take about him. When we watched him play at Utah Valley, and maybe it was just because he was playing against our bigs and our bigs weren't great last year, the American really exposed them in certain ways defensively. But Aziz, to me, looked like polished. And then I saw that Duke wanted him in the offseason, and I was like, all right, this guy is a potential you know, first-team All-Big 12. You get it to him down low, he's going to finish. He's got great hands. And he does have great hands. Like He gets the ball, he catches it high, well above the rim, and you wish that most of the time he would just flush it home. But if he's not flushing at home, he's falling over. It's, it's like one of two things. You get the best of both worlds from him. You get some comedy, and you get some amazing throwdowns. But you give it to him on the block, and it's, um, it's a little bit of a roller coaster ride. The fact that Cincinnati has him next season as well, Give them some offensive development in the offseason during the summer. Aziz, man. But um, today they stuck with the four-guard lineup throughout. Josh Reed got some minutes, knocked down a three. But that's kind of uh, where we stand with the bigs right now. On to Dan Skillings, who got his first start in a while. And he made the most of it. He was dynamite in the first half. Finished with 15 points in the game. Dan Skillings. Is the Bearcats' best player? Is it finally safe to say that? Absolutely. He's the best player on the team. Um, 
his next step would be just to polish up some of this stuff. Like his, his efficiency right now isn't great. He was five for 14, but you know, as a team, when you shoot 40% from the field day in and day out, we'll, we'll take it. I mean, he had what 15, eight, two assists, a steal, a block. The guy can do it all just by being on the court. He's going to, he's going to change the game. He's definitely our go-to guy, but, and we're seeing good stuff and, and nobody really was that efficient besides disease really from the field today. Um, but CMOS as well, man. I think he has kind of grown into what we what we expected when he transferred in. I think he's been very solid for us. He's one of the few guys that I trust with the basketball in his hand, not to just turn it over in some – granted, he had three tonight. I think he actually led the team. Um, but <laughs> Hey, facts. Those, those two, Screw the facts. Who cares facts about facts? Matter. This is not a facts podcast. No, but we we see we, – we love Day-Day and Jizzle, but we see them – turn the ball over a little bit too much. Obviously the Iowa state thing was maybe an anomaly. Cause Iowa state is that damn good on the defensive end. Um, but overall, I mean, what do we finish in turnovers? 11 turnovers tonight. It's amazing what you can do when you don't turn the ball over every possession. You can actually win games. You know, who didn't win the broadcast today was ESPN plus. You already know what I'm going to say. They're talking about Jizzle James who had a nice little stretch in the first half. And they say, oh, look who it is. It's Edger and James. Jizzle's dad is in attendance tonight. Is Jizzle played right down the road at Olympia. Edger is here. There is the Hall of Famer. One big problem for that 10 seconds that he was on the screen. Within 15 minutes, I saw about 500 pictures of fake Edger and James on Twitter. Who the hell was that guy? I, I was saying earlier, it was like Biggie McLean's cousin that just happened to live in Florida and didn't even look like Edrin James, but had the chain on, and they're like, hey, that, that's got to be Edrin, right? I, he, he looks athletic. No, it was just some random dude. What the hell was that? Little did that guy know he was going to all of a sudden be a Hall of Fame running back. He just came to the game. He's just like a local dude down in Central Florida. He's like, yep, apparently I'm Edrin James. I'm Ed Edrin James Jr.'s dad now. Yeah. It was uh, – it. The, the craziest part was that the broadcast, like, listen, I, I, I think I know a little bit of what Edron James looks like even before, you know, I know he's been out of the league for a while, but even before Jizzle came to UC, the broadcaster just went on like, yep, there he is. There he is, Edron James, the Hall of Fame running back. I'm like, nobody was, you know, hey, that looks literally nothing like him. Edron James is probably pissed. Edron James, I mean, this guy wasn't, in, you know, he was a fine-looking individual. He's husky. But Edger James is in, like, incredible shape. I mean, just like a – built like a brick shit house still. And they threw on, like, Mike Jones from, like, 2002 on the on the broadcast. So, I, I, it was very interesting. ESPN Plus, you never know what you're going to get, man. Yeah, that's a, a MySpace Top 5 best UC moments this season. It goes in the record books with – I'd say the Howard broadcast was up there. When Aziz Bandago decapitated someone's grandma at the, I think, the BYU game. That was a pretty yep. good one. Um, we have a few moments that have, have made the list. We'll compile that for the uh, the Bearcatsbys at the end of the season that we're going to get into. My overall takeaway from this game before we get into the Big 12 is just that Cincinnati's super inconsistent. They look great for stretches. 30 minutes of this game, Cats looked elite. 10 minutes, they let UCF climb back in it. Can we ever just make it look easy? Like, one game, every single team in this conference gets blown out once, they blow out another team once, it's their game and not the other team's. You win by 15 points, you get the walk-on, some run. I mean, poor 
Hell, I don't even know who our walk-ons are at this point. You know, forget the days of uh, CJ Pat Anthony. Watt, John Meeker, uh, Ryan Patswald, and Brandon Miller, and, and Alex Eppensteiner. Shout out Eppensteiner, friend of the program. Different days, man. Like, where are these guys? They're not playing because every game goes down to the final possession. I mean, Jesus. It's actually a good point. Like, I, like, what are the walk-on minutes? Like, they like CJ Anthony. You know, like the whole thing is when you're a walk-on, it's like you got to go to practice, do all this bullshit to essentially never play. But you get your moment. You get your moment at home. You're actually playing. You know, a Power Five team. You get to launch up a couple threes. These guys, it's been stolen away from them because we can't figure out how to pull a game out and actually win by 10-plus. So, yeah, shout out. Uh, I mean, granted, the social media for UC does a great job. They will consistently put our walk-ons on, like, the the social media page like they're, you know, the best player on the team. So they get their run, I guess, just via, you know, Instagram and Twitter. So they're getting something and they're getting the Jordan gear. But, yeah, I would like to see my guy CJ Anthony out there launching a couple threes when we're up 15. That's all we ask. That's all we ask, Bearcats. Just put them away. You were up 14 for a decent bit of the second half from 8 to 14 points. Just win by 11. You don't always have to take it down to the final possession. I don't know what nitroglycerin pills are, and I don't want to buy them, and I'm struggling. I mean, the heart is just boom, boom. But we have a pulse, and I ask all Bearcats fans to please listen to this PSA. Can we please... Please stop with the Orlando Tech nonsense. Stop it. We're better than that. This is not a rivalry. And football, sure, say whatever you want. Basketball, UCF, this is now four straight wins. It's like 25 of 29. This has never been a rivalry. UCF is a garbage program. Sorry about it to those of you in Orlando that are hopping into the show because you guys probably don't even have a post-game show because you're irrelevant. You guys stink. So stop with the Orlando Tech. It's stupid. I think it's only the Twitter crowd that does it. The, the real Bearcats fans, we don't call them Orlando Tech. We call them another win on the schedule. That's two this season. That's two thus far, Shooter. Oh, good. You can count. And you can count on another win in the conference tournament, UCF. Screw you. All right, Houdini. Um, what do you think, though? You agree with me there? The the Orlando Tech, it's cheesy. It's just just knock it off. You guys are embarrassing yourself if you say that. Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, some of the the Twitter stuff going on is a little bit. It's a little corny to say the least. A little cringe, as the kids call it. Um, UCF has a. I, I hope somebody UCF Twitter like screen grabs whatever you just said there takes a snippet of that because they are, if not, they're one of the most just vile Twitter groups out there in the big 12 <laughs> at a minimum. They yeah, are I care about the savages. Knights. I, I would have never guessed that UCF has like a diehard fan base. They do. They have a, I mean, it's a massive school, I guess. There's a shitload of alums that come out of UCF. They're savages. I mean, Bearcat Matt is probably right now on Twitter, like firing off like 86 tweets, talking shit to UCF fans. That's probably what's going on right now. Cause it's a, it's a war zone out there, man. No doubt about it. Um, let's talk about the, uh, the the tier right now of Big 12 teams. We did earlier in the year the tier of um, who are the best teams, who were all right, who were the worst. It's hard to say because the league is so congested. We know who the best teams are. So let's do the, the teams we hate, the teams that we think we will hate at some point, the teams we don't mind, and the teams that, quite frankly, we feel bad for. I'll start with the teams we hate, first of all. I think it's safe to say we don't like Houston whatsoever. Um, I have come to the conclusion that I don't like Iowa State. 
Their fans are great. They're trolls. Cyclone Larry cracks me the hell up. I'll say Houston, Iowa State, as of right now, I hate them. I don't have the, the hate in me towards Kansas. I respect them. I think I will hate Kansas. I'll start off with those three, give you the floor, and let you kind of plug in some holes. So, hate them. Yeah, I had Houston. I know Texas is going to be out here in a second, but I hate yeah, Texas. Texas and uh, Texas, Oklahoma, don't worry about them, and then we won't add in Arizona and all those other teams until next year. So, so forget Texas, forget Oklahoma. You can delete that, Kirby. We don't care about Texas. They're not in our conference anymore. It's over. I'm still pissed we can't do horns down to, to Texas for the years to come because uh, clearly it, uh, it infuriates people beyond belief. Um, but yeah, Houston is going to be up there. And to be fair though, we haven't got into the mix enough with these teams. Like when I was going down, when you sent me this going down the list, I'm like, I don't really hate many of these teams. It, it was really Houston. And that's really from the American, you know, Bill Self's toupee is obviously up there is just one of the, the, the most hated things that I have in college basketball. Other than that, we got teams kind of in the middle for me, the, the think I will hate them, the TCUs, the Texas techs, um, Iowa state. And Iowa State might just be good between me and you. I know we're actually on a live show. A good team just to start to hate to get the fans riled up because they talk about another fan base that's kind of underrated. When I went to Nippert Stadium and watched us get our ass beat by Iowa State, I was shocked by the amount of Iowa State fans that were in the crowd talking shit to me the entire game. I'm like, I kn listen, I know Emory Jones isn't great. Like, can you guys give me a break? Just give me a break for a second. So th I'd say... Houston, TCU, Texas Tech, Iowa State are kind of in my top tier of teams that I'm anticipating I will hate. Okay. I'm not – I'm thinking Baylor. I'm never going to mind them. West Virginia, I've never hated West Virginia. I got relatives that go there. Great fan base. Fun school. Your sister went to West Virginia. Like, West Virginia to me. Both I sisters. Yeah, both sisters. So we don't hate the Mountaineers. Come on. Um, Kansas – um, I don't think I'm going to mind them unless their fans start coming on these post-game shows like they did first one, then potentially. BYU, I think I already hate them. Screw BYU. Uh, TCU, I think I already hate them just because Jamie Dixon, it's like the Pittsburgh days, he's coming in the post-game shows like, well, that's something we're not used to, losing to Cincinnati. It's like, we beat you all the time at Pittsburgh, you idiot. Go back to Whoville. So screw TCU. The experiment is over, but basically what I was saying is there's just not a lot of teams right now in the Big 12 where there's these natural rivalries with. Where are we going to find the rivalries? I don't know, but like you said, Iowa State, Houston, two of them right now that I'm not liking by any means. Let's go throughout the Big 12. Cincinnati, 76, UCF, 74. We're going to mention that as many times as possible, folks. TCU goes on the road, beats Kansas State on a last-second three, 75-72. TCU probably stamps their resume. They're heading to the tournament. Kansas State at 5-7, and seven, the Big 12. They have to win at Cincinnati coming up here soon if they want to keep their hopes alive. So that'll be a huge game for both UC and Kansas State. How about the Pokes? Oklahoma State destroys BYU. Number 19 BYU, I should say, 93-83. Iowa State. I think Iowa State's the best team in this conference, everyone. I said it. Iowa State is the best team in the Big 12, or at least playing the best basketball. 82-74, I'm taking the Cyclones to the Final Four, regardless of who they match up with, and they'll probably lose first round. But 82-74, they take down Texas Tech on their home floor. Kansas goes on the road and beats Oklahoma 67-57. That is something I think Cincinnati can do. 
go into Oklahoma and split with the Sooners. I think they are very beatable. Kansas wins by 10. Houston, 82, Texas, 61. How in the hell did the Bearcats lose to Texas? I'll go back to that last-second shot by Aismas all season long because Texas is not great. They're now 5-7 and seven in the Big 12. Houston improves to 9-3. and three. And Baylor went into Morgantown, beat West Virginia 94-81. Next up for Cincinnati, it's Oklahoma State. It's on Wednesday at 7 p.m. We said on the last show, UCF, Oklahoma State, you go 2-0 against those two teams. And that song we were talking about earlier, that we were playing just a little bit, and we were playing it ever so slightly. You know, it was it was down here. It was down at this range. If the Bearcats beat Oklahoma State, it's going to slowly start to go. I'm lying. It'll 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 stay down here because it's Oklahoma State and they are dog water. They're not good whatsoever. But it's a game that the Bearcats need to win. No doubt about it. So Cincinnati and Oklahoma State on uh, Wednesday. Oklahoma State. No, that's not going to that's not going to change our our projections in the NCAA tournament. The only it's it's a lose scenario. If we lose then we're absolutely screwed. The thing that'll change our projection is going to be that TCU Saturday, 3 o'clock, that, um, after Oklahoma State. If we win that game, then we can start pumping that music a little bit more. You're, you're, I mean, you're getting a little too ahead of your skis here, Chuck. We beat Oklahoma State, who's like 10 and 14, where all of a sudden, like, Lenardi's like, they're locked. They're going to be a six seed. No, I, I don't believe so. We have plenty of opportunities. Tonight was a, a must win. We got it done. Um, move on to Oklahoma State. And as we saw, Oklahoma State has the ability to beat almost anybody on on, on their home floor. So you got to gear up, man. Do we have a, a single stretch where we've won two in a row no. in the Big 12? I don't no. believe so. So let's, Not in let's history, just football get that. or basketball. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start that. I think it's time to start a, a stretch where we actually win multiple games in a row. So, and I know it's tough in this conference when you're battling like this every damn game. We need to get two. Come on, Wes. Come on, Wes. Two in a row. All right, Kirby had to run. He's uh, going to the grocery store, loading up on some goods for the rest of the week. Bearcats loaded up on the goods today, walking out of Orlando with a 76-74 win. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your audio podcast. Give us five stars, and we will see you on Wednesday night after the Bearcats hopefully make it two in a row. And ever so slightly, in the background, Houdini, I'll give you one more for the end of this. Bandago on the block. Oh, I love it. Oh, he throws it down. Cats win. See you, dude. Later. <laughs>